Sunday is tested. Monday is when faith has to work. What we are doing inside these walls allow us to handle, prosper, and not just survive, but thrive all week long. What are you doing inside these walls? Amen. Welcome to church. Excited to be at church today? We're excited too. Starting this new series inside these walls. Elijah started it off last week. I don't know what was up there. From the reaction of your face, it looked like Merlin Manson or something. I sure hope that's not in our computer log. Somebody be typing in Merlin Manson, we're not going to heaven. But we're excited. We're excited about what God's doing. And uh, it, right now at this time, live wires, if you're a live wire, six years old to sixth grade, you can get out of here with your fearless leader, Tim and Kelly. No, Tim and Kelly. All day. Brandon and Sarah. That's what I meant. It's awesome. Have a blast. Today's a good day. It's actually a great day. And uh, I'm excited that, that we're able to be here and be in God's house today and be together. And I just want to take a moment and, um, and give honor to where honor is due. Um, you know, it talks about in the Bible, it talks to give honor to the people that are over you. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like I need to take some moments real quick and just kind of give honor. Is Elijah, did Elijah leave? Is Elijah not in here? I don't see Elijah. Oh, Elijah's over here. Elijah's the center row in the back. Far left. I just want to. I want to start out by just giving some honor um, where honor is due today. And and if you don't do this, I would encourage you to. Um, this is a, a a great thing to start in your family and your home. Uh, giving honor is is an incredible thing because what it does is it not only betters the person you're honoring, but it actually betters you because your heart is softened towards that person as you're honoring them. It's an incredible thing that God has set up, and I'm pretty sure that's why He created it. Um, because it does things. And so I just want to start off by, by thanking Elijah. Uh, if you do not know, Elijah, is he was the worship leader today. He's my brother. And um, he's an incredible person. And I, I just, I, I have a word for you today, Elijah. Your, your word that, that came to my heart as I was praying about this and, and really trying to honor you the best way, my word for you is dreamer. You are, you're a dreamer. And if, if I learn anything in this lifetime, and I'm 28 and you're 39, and this whole you know, you're going to die a lot sooner than I am, so I just, I need to honor you now before you die. But I want to thank you. I want to thank you for bringing into, into this family, into the Hollis family, a dreamer attitude. You have, you have a spirit about you that is, is, everybody wants to be because you, you dream. And you dream dreams that aren't normal dreams. You dream dreams that are, are massive dreams. And right now you're taking over schools for Jesus, which is insane to me. And so I honor you today and say thank you. Thank you for being a brother that I can look up to, number one. But thanks for being a dreamer that pushes me out of my comfort zone, that, that I dream dreams that are bigger just because you're dreaming big dreams. And i got to keep up with the Joneses, so I'm keeping up with you. So thank you. Thanks for being who you are. I respect you, and I love you today. Landon, he's in the back. He's always in the back. Landon's always in the back. This is how he started. He's always stayed back there. He, he's okay with being in the shadows. Landon, 
I respect that about you. You create, you've created in this church everything. And nobody understands this, but every sign, everything on our website, everything that's creative about our church, we can take no credit for because it's all you. And so today I look up to you and I honor you today for being that creative source because today you're an incredible person, but your creative atmosphere that you bring, like anything and everything down to the underwear you wear, I promise you it's probably creative. <laughs> you're nuts. But I thank you for bringing that into our family because before you, we were just ordinary people. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, I lied on stage. I'm sorry. But I thank you for bringing that into our family and also bringing in a heart that is, is so pleasing of God that you're willing to be in the shadows and to do everything behind closed doors. Because I know personally, maybe everybody else does, and I know how much time you give to your job and to your family, and I thank you for that because that's pushed me to want to be a better person and be more creative and wear cool underwear. You're awesome. I love you. I thank you. Honoring's cool, isn't it? Tori, she's on staff with us now. If you don't know, Tori's my cousin. She came from Florida, which is a lot better than Pennsylvania. Smells like oranges instead of poop. <laughs> right now they're in the 80s instead of the 30s. It's incredible. But Tori, my one word that I have for you today is you're, you're an inspiration. If you don't know Tori and you haven't been around her yet, anything and everything she does, she inspires you. She does things, she does things with excellence. And so I thank you for, for bringing it into our family. And we've always talked about you're our favorite cousin. Don't tell anybody else that. But uh, you've always been our favorite. And so, but thank you for, for bringing into this church and into our home and in our family uh, an atmosphere of always being happy, number one. But you inspire us. And I remember the first meeting, and you all weren't involved in this, but our first staff meeting, we sat down as we brought Tori in. And she sat there on the couch, and she gave us her dream of what she wanted to see here at the Power Place. And we all left there as a staff so inspired to want to become better from somebody's words. And Tori is that person. She is an inspirer, and I thank you for bringing that into our family. I love you to death, and you know that. Thank you for pushing us to want to inspire people and, and to make things better and to create new things. You're an incredible person, and I know that God's got a man for you. He's not sitting in this room, I can tell you that much. So don't even get your little hopes up, people. She's got a lot more dads in the room than you think, and I'm one of them, and I don't approve. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyways, I love you. Thanks for being a part. Tim and Kelly, you're in the back, too. But you're in here today, so you actually get to be honored. Tim and Kelly, I know, I know your job that you're doing right now because I did it. And I know, I know the atmosphere that you have to bring to that room. It's an atmosphere of happiness, joy at all times, smiles, fun, and then God. And you do it well. And you don't want to know how I know that? I haven't even been in there with you yet, but I know that you do well because I heard the voices of the children. 
and they scream about how they love Tim and Kelly. You guys are doing an, uh, an incredible job at leading that ministry, at being all you are. And, and if you don't know this, just by listening to Tim, Tim has heaven fingers, we call them. As he plays the keys, Jesus just moves. Right now, he could actually come up and start playing behind me, and I would sound a lot more spiritual because of his fingers. They're anointed, they're Baptist style, and I love them. But Tim and Kelly, thank you for, for being all that you can for those kids. Uh, you're, you're, an, you're an incredible power couple that, that are doing things that we can't see out here, but one day those kids are going to be raised, and they're going to be raised right because of something that you've influenced in them. They get to go home and, and be taught something that's been powerful, and it's because of you. And so thanks for doing things. You're behind the scenes also, but you're doing things incredible. And we honor you today and thank you for all that you are. And last but not least, my parents. You know what? Before I even do this, why don't we go ahead and stand and honor them? Come on, you can do better than that. I had to write down my words that remind me of you guys and what you guys stand for because there's too many to, to just name one. Starting with the big cheese, the top cats, chief, leader, pioneer, protector, shepherd, teacher, guide, head. You're the head of this home, this house, your flock. You're a shepherd leading and guiding. And I want to thank you for being pastors that aren't just on-stage pastors, but that you are weekly pastors. That you, you will lead no matter what day it is. You don't have an off day, I know that, and I thank you for that. Thank you for being who you are. God called you to this ministry, to this church, to this house, to this flock, and instead of running and pulling a Jonah, you said, I'm going. Perhaps God. And thank you for that attitude because what you've done is you've invested in the next generation that is leading our homes in the same way. And I hope that you're investing in these homes that they're leading in the same way because we're being able to watch and to learn and to lead. You're incredible. Dad, I know, I know what goes into one sermon, and I thank you for the time that you give. I thank you for the time that you give. I understand that a sermon just doesn't come. As Bob says, you just get up and talk. <laughs> oh, it's off the cuff. All right, it's off the cuff. <laughs> that is so far from the truth. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, Bob, I love you, and I, I thank you for all you do. <laughs> but you're not off the cuff. And I know that because I know behind the scenes. And I thank you for taking the time to read your word, to know your word, 
and you do, you know your word. And that's something that I glean from, that you're not a man that just talks, but you're a man that knows. And you know because you hear his voice. And I still remember, and I will remember till I die, the sermon you preached about the crowd in heaven that cheers you on. And I will go to my grave knowing that there's people up in heaven cheering me on, cheering us on. And as we fight this fight to bring lives to Jesus, there's people shouting our names, keep on, keep on, keep on. So I love you, and I thank you for being the leaders that you are. You're incredible. One more time, can we give it up for our pastors of the house? I just feel like it's right to honor the people that are in charge. It's right to honor the people that you work with. And maybe some of you in this room need to hear this today because maybe some of you work for a boss that you hate. Did you know if you honor that boss, things might change? I heard a a wise pastor say once that if you're under leadership that you don't agree with, you shouldn't be there. Period. Because what happens is your hearts aren't aligned. Money is money. Money will come and money will go. Shouldn't be worried about the money. You should be worried about the leadership that you're under. And take that seriously today. Align yourself with people that are leading in a right way. It's an incredible feeling to be in God's will under God's heading. Amen? Amen. All right, so today we're going to start off. That was a serious note. That was a crazy serious note. But it had to happen. So I could have uh, Linda Simmers on the stage, please. Uh, Is Linda in the room? I know she's in the room because I saw her coming this morning. Linda, if you could please come on the stage. (laughs) Miss Linda Simmers. Come on, Linda. Come under my arm. (laughs) She fits so perfectly. If you don't know Miss Linda, this is Linda Simmers. She runs our cafe. She's an incredible woman that's here, not only on Sundays, but she's here many days during the week getting things ready. And so we, we thank Linda for all that she is. She's an incredible volunteer. But she, she's under the scene. She comes in here on Saturdays and gets everything ready in the cafe. And so we thank, we thank Linda for all you are. But I have a little game. And I thought, I was, I was thinking, you know, through, through my game. And I was like, who could I use? And you know what? God laid on my heart that it was Linda Simmers. So I thought, you know, this would be a fun game. So um, let me get another mic here real quick just so you can have your own mic. Um, and uh, so you're going to take this mic and, and you have to use it, okay? You have to, I know you don't like to use this, but you have to use it, okay? So use the mic and you have to use it up close like I do, okay? Eat the mic, eat the mic, okay? So here's what we're going to do. This is how the game's going to go. I'm a media team. They're going to put a picture on it and don't put the picture up yet, but they're going to put a picture on the screen. And when the, the picture comes up on the screen, I just want you to say the first word or maybe a couple words that come to your mind when you see the picture. Is that okay? Pretty simple, right? So as the picture comes up, you're just going to throw out some words that you feel need and match that picture. Okay. Pretty simple. Okay, here we go. Ready? Media team, let's roll that first picture. First word that comes to your mind when you see the picture, go. Wilbur. Wilbur. Hey. <laughs> London would be so happy right now. That's the name of our future dog, Wilbur. 
That's great. I was thinking landed, but that's my own thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jokes, jokes. That was jokes. Okay, here we go. Ready for the next picture? We got Wilbur for the first one. Second one, here we go. <laughs> Listen, they said it. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Wilbur, we're going with Wilbur. Okay, Wilbur. Poor Wilbur. Slash poor Landon. All right, here we go. Uh, media team, next picture. And be honest. Me when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> I, I like it. I think the same thing when I look in the mirror. Okay. All right, okay, next picture. Ooh. Be honest. Is Tommy here? Tommy's not here. Mm, look at those eyes. Mm. Man, that nose is shaped so right, isn't it? Those lips. Mm. Come on, Linda, you're not using your mic. I can't hear you. She's, she's stunned. She's speechless. Hot. Mm, there it was. That is live recording. We're showing Tommy. She thinks he's hot. All right. I'm hot. Oh, you're hot. Oh, okay, she's hot now. She's, she's hot now. Oh, boy. Get this woman a fan. All right, last picture. Let's show her the picture. Not my kitchen. Not. <laughs> Everybody give it up for Linda Simmers. Words are powerful. Everybody say that with me. Say, words are powerful. One more time. Words are powerful. They're powerful. They are, they are life and death. You can speak life into someone. You can speak death into someone. I told Landon that he was amazing, and then I called him a pig. <laughs> Perfect example. <laughs> words are powerful. If you don't know my daughter, London, she is a words fanatic. She uses, I'm pretty sure the natural, uh, normal thing for a woman is like 20,000 words a day. I'm pretty sure she's at the 60,000 or 70,000 mark a day. Like this, this girl never stops talking. It's always something coming out of her mouth, whether it's movie quotes, normal talking, singing, humming. It, it never stops. Like literally it never stops. The other night I was like, London, you haven't stopped talking for the last three hours. And I mean, like, not even, like, you're barely taking a breath. Do you need an inhaler of some sort, like, something to keep yourself going? Like, how are you doing this? I mean, she's, like, all day Grinch movie. She will quote you Grinch movie all day. She will sing anything from Taylor Swift down to Hillsong. Like, it doesn't matter. She knows it all. She is insane. She has to listen to a song once, which is very scary, and she can repeat it word for word. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. The other day she's sitting in the living room, and she's just sitting there on the couch. No, we're not doing anything. I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I think I was playing with Roman or something. She goes, baby, I'm worth it. I looked at her. I said, you, excuse me? She goes, baby, I'm worth it. I was like, yeah, you would sing it again. I said, where did you hear that? At the mall, walking through a store, one time. Words are powerful. Now, she is completely opposite than my mom. 
Because my mom hears a song one time, and it would probably sound something like, Kamehin Hon Hon. Like, so true. Lean on grace. Jesus. And we're like, Mom, it's not even a Jesus song. She's like, oh, I thought it was. Okay. She creates lyrics. She creates, I mean, anything and everything. Blu-ray is blue, Bluetooth. It's DVDs are who knows what. We don't even know what to call them. By the time she actually gets it and what it's known, we, we move out of that phase. So, you know, she just got the dial phone down where it's like the, you got to ring it. It's crazy. Mom is awesome, but they're like completely opposite. But words are powerful. Words are powerful. And what you know always comes out. Hence, London. She's not allowed to sing that song. So if you hear it, tell her no. But what kind of communicator are you? Are you the, the quiet type, just likes to get to the point real fast and then get it done? Are you the loud type, like my mom that gets in your face, you know, nose to nose, her spit in your face, like right there, hand on each side of your face, just gripping you, just loving, like, are you that loud communicator? Are you the kind of communicator that use, uses motions, uses, uh, you know, all kinds of sound effects and everything as you're telling a story? Hence me. Uh, like, you just got to get into it, and, you know, you have to walk a little bit because you're getting, like, you just have to get it out. Are you that kind of, what kind of communicator are you? Today, I'm, I'm in charge of the kitchen. I want to break down the kitchen and talk to you about communication. Communication is so important. And in our homes, isn't the kitchen kind of like your gathering place where you just talk? Pull up a stool, pull up a, a chair, let's eat a banana and chat, right? It's just what happens. You, you have food, you know, it's good. Brittany's from a nice Italian family, so there's food all the time. It's great. It's wonderful, actually. Mama Jean never stops moving, ever. She cooks all the time. Mama Jean, what are you cooking now? Raviolis, duh. The next second, it's bread of some sort. Zucchini bread. Banana bread. Strawberry bread. I don't know. She creates it. She'll watch a commercial and be like, we need to make that. Five minutes later, she's making it. It's awesome. But what kind of communicator are you? The kitchen is a place where we communicate. And I, I've entitled my talk today, Don't Let Chit Chat Turn Into Spit Chat. It rhymed. Don't Let Chit Chat Turn Into Spit Chat. Because how many of us know that the kitchen is the spot where we can talk, we can, you know, let it all out. And then pretty soon, when you leave that room, it's almost like a dirty room then. Because everything that went down in that room and everything we talked about, it's like it turned into just a big gossip fest and everything. And we'd walk away, we're like, man, oy, those people I can't even stand anymore. Because what we meant for good turned into this crazy spit-talking weirdness. Right? I want you to look at a verse with me.
Matthew 15, verse 18. It says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. Have you ever had a pot on the, the stove and, and it's got spaghetti sauce in it or some kind of gravy and, and you turn it on really high heat and you don't put a lid on it and, and you come back and it's like bubbling and so it's splurting everywhere and you're like, oh, my word, and you got a white shirt on and why did I wear a white shirt and it's, you know, it's spraying everywhere. So what do you do? What's your first reaction? You, you, run, you run for the cabinet, you grab a lid and you just, you know, you, you just you put a lid on it, right? And then, then you, can, you can turn it down. But you got to get that safety lid on there first, right? Cap it. Isn't that kind of the same way as our conversation? You know, you start out just as like a cold thing. You're, just, you're talking just normal conversation, and then, and then it gets a little hotter, and then, and then all of a sudden it's just like spewing, and you're like, oh, my word, did you see? And then you're like even worrying about what they wear now because you've just gone so far that you're just spitting words and left and right, and then all of a sudden you got like gravy sauce just coming out everywhere because you're just, now you're just ticked. I can't believe you brought him up. You, you started the conversation. It was really nice, and you were just talking about, you know, uh, a, a family friend that was just, it, they, were, they, were just they were just a little annoying, and, you know, it's, it's what it is. And, we're, you know, we're, like Elijah said, we're learning from their, the things, and then all of a sudden somebody drops the name. You shouldn't mention that name in this house, right? And that name gets mentioned, and all of a sudden here it goes. It's done. We're just, we're, we're going, right? We, we've all sailed, and now every person is chiming in like, yeah, actually, I hate that person too, and I don't even know that person, and now I hate him. And then you're just like, you're just going hard, and you're spewing left, right, and everybody's getting shot in the eye with gravy because you're just, you're just going. You know what you need to do? You need to put a lid on it. You have to learn when it's wise to put a lid on it. Put a lid on it. Martin Luther King Jr., he says, I have decided to stick to love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Ooh, that's crazy. I have decided to stick to love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Hate. You ever hated anyone? You ever hated a situation? You ever hated a job? You ever hated something? Doesn't it become all you think about? Don't you waste a lot of time when you hate something? Hate becomes something that takes over your weekly, nightly life. You can't get away from it. And what happens is you, you started out just having a, a, a dislike, and, and it's like, oh, you know, I, just, I, I really can't stand that person, so I'm just going to keep my distance, to all of a sudden now where it's this hate that you, you just, you can't stand. And then somebody becomes a friend with that person, and you just, you hate her. Somebody gets a job at that spot that you hated, and I can't even believe that they got a job there because I hate it. I hate it. And hate becomes this all-consuming feeling, emotion that takes over who we are. And we become this person that is locked in this hate. But think about this with me. What if our houses, our kitchens, were used to build our families up? What, what, if, what if we learned control of our tongues? Would this not be a, a, a crazy thing? What if, what if we learned how to, and you know what? I don't think it's ever been a tongue problem. I think it's always been a heart problem. I don't know where you stand on it, but 
I don't, I don't think it's ever been a tongue problem. Oh, my tongue <laughs> always just seems to get away from me. Can't really, can't really control those words. I mean, they're just spewing out. It's kind of crazy how it happens, actually. But you know what? I think it's always been a heart problem. And, and, and the reason I, I say that is because uh, right, right here it, it says, um, but the things that in Matthew 15, 18, it says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. It's pretty simple. What you have in your heart comes out your mouth. So this tells me what I let in through my eyes, through my ears, penetrates my heart. And what's in my heart comes out my mouth. So if I have friends that are hating on someone and that's filling me, I'm also in return going to hate someone. Maybe not the same person, but I'm going to hate someone because I can now. Because that's what's in my heart. Or maybe I've been around that job too long where everybody's talking about the boss and how he runs his thing. And so now I'm getting that inside of me now where I didn't really hate my job, but now I do. Because that's what's in my heart. I never really thought I was poor until someone told me I was poor. And then once I got told I was poor, that was in my heart. So now I'm poor. And that's what comes out. Because what comes in penetrates the heart. And what penetrates the heart comes out the mouth. Have you ever had good intentions of, of cooking an incredible meal? Just you, you, you get all the plans together. Everything's coming together, right? You're just, you're so excited. You, you pull out um, uh, this, this incredible steak. It's so juicy. Pull out the mashed potatoes. You get them all ready, right? Everything is looking precise. And, and you're not even a messy cooker. Like my wife, she, when she cooks, there's stuff dripping from the ceilings when she's done. She's like, butter, I need butter. We need butter. She's like throwing things away. When you get done, it's like you got to bring in the yellow suits and like literally like there's dead people hiding under the raviolis. It's nuts. I love it, though, because now I've turned into that guy now. We're like, London's got, like, butter running down her face. We're like, yeah, you're doing great. You know, throw it in there. This is great. We'll clean it up later. But you're getting this meal prepared. Everything's coming together, and it's just going great. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something happens that ruins the entire thing. You ever had that happen? And instead of trying to fix it, you just give up. You're like, I'm done. I can't take it. So you shut it down. You're like, family in the family van. Going to dinner. Right? It happens. We, we just had this experience like, uh, like three weeks ago. We lost power. Brittany was in the middle. I called home. I'm like, babe, on my way home. She's like, I got dinner coming. You know, it's going to be great. And then she called me like five minutes later. She's like, we lost power. What? I, I was coming home to a freshly home cooked meal. Like, this is great. She's like, we're done. No more. We can't, we can't cook. The, the food can't happen. We don't have electricity. So we're done. So we all jumped in the family van. And we rolled down to Sakihana. Amen to that one. It was good. It was, it was actually really good. But you, have you ever had that where you, you had good intentions? We had good intentions to have a family meal. It was home cooked. It was homegrown. Some steak from the heifer out back. Yeah. But our intentions weren't enough because it, we had something shut it down. 
So then we had to, to, to go. I find it similar in our conversations. We go into conversations with good intentions. I meant, I meant for it to go well. I meant to have control of my tongue. I meant to have control of, and we're just going to go here for a second, of my attitude. Don't you find it crazy that you say the most hurtful things when you're the most angry? Is it not true? Anybody? Is it just me? It's me. I'm sorry. Did you know this? This is kind of a crazy fact that you might be like wowed at. Did you know everybody gets angry at some time? Weird. We've all gotten angry at some point. Now, your anger might look a little different than my anger. When you get angry, your words might look a little different than my words. But at some point, we've all gotten angry at something. But isn't it crazy that when you get angry is when you say the things that you regret the most? And so anger is connected to the heart. Hmm, maybe God didn't know what he was doing. So anger is connected to the heart, and the heart is what makes the tongue Speak the words that it speaks. Hmm. So if my heart is pure, and I watch what comes into my heart, my anger won't be as bad as it should be, and my words won't be as hurtful as they should be. It all goes back to what you let in and what you let come out. Control is everything in the end, in the end all be all. Rich Wilkerson Jr. says, don't let go of convictions for convenience. Don't let go of convictions for convenience. You know when you're in the moment of a good, I don't know, the word that came to my head was brawl, but I don't think that's a good word. Uh, just a good, like, you're just, you're, you're angry, and you want everybody to know it. It's now not just between you and your spouse. It's between the entire neighborhood. Let's take this out on the back porch so we can get the Joneses and the Millers in on this one. We'll see what side they're on. Mine. I'm a prophet. I knew it. Right? And you just you go out and you just, you, you, you're in the middle of something. And, and now all of a sudden you're looking for words. You're trying to find that, I'm going to win. And I'll do whatever I have to do to win. So you just start spewing. Bow, 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 bow. Got you. I'm in the lead. Sat, 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 sat. Right? You just turn into a snake. You're like, or, or like a turtle, like a snapper. Ooh, I spit a lot. Ooh, bubbles. It's like Nemo all over again. But you just start spewing. What happens? You've taken this atmosphere, this control you've gotten rid of your convictions for convenience because you're in it to win it. And you lost all control of your tongue. And now what's really on your heart is coming out. Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Did you know how you prepare a meal matters? You can't just go in, grab steak, throw it on a plate, 
grab macaroni out of the, the, the cupboard and just pour the hard noodles and then pour the cheese that comes with it. A Velveeta package, you can't just do that and then slap it on the table and be like, here's your steak and macaroni. Enjoy. You get sick, okay? Don't be doing that. But you know, you just can't do that. You have to actually prepare it. I like to look at preparation as, as tone. Did you know how you come into a conversation with your tone matters? Because tone is everything. When you come into a, a conversation, you'll be like, I love you. Okay? You heard me the first time. I love you. Get it. Or, hey, baby, I really do love you. I really do. I want you to hear me on this. I really, really love you. There's two ways to put things. And I think this is where a lot of us get confused. Our tone determines your outcome. This is huge. And if we'll understand this and get this, and we apply it right, you can solve a lot of problems by just changing your tone. I want to walk through a story real quick. I know i got a few minutes here. The story of Lazarus. Anybody know the story of Lazarus? I'm going to walk through two stories here real quick. In the last five, seven minutes I have. Story of Lazarus. Lazarus dies. Mary and Martha, his sisters, they call to Jesus. They send a messenger. They're like, go tell Jesus that Lazarus died. Or he's dying. He's, he's done, right? Now a man named Lazarus, this is in John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha, her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. He's sick. Now, notice in here that he didn't use the name. He didn't have to. When they wrote the letter, they said, the one you love is sick. And this tells me one thing, that Lazarus and Jesus were really close. Because the sisters didn't even have to use his name for, the, for Jesus to know who they were talking about. I don't know about you, but I want to be so close to God that someone can send a letter and say, hey, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. And Jesus says, oh, that must be my son, Isaiah. I know who you're talking about. We were actually just together a few moments ago as he was praying to me and sharing his thoughts. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was stick, sick, he stayed where he was two more days. <laughs> oh, you're sick? I'm just going to stay here. He heard that he was sick, but he decided to stay. I'm just going to stay. You know what? You're sick. I've heard it. I know it. I'm just going to stick it out here. Uh, I got a great hotel. It's got a jacuzzi tub in the room. I'm just going to hang out here for a few more days. So he just chills. This tells me something else. Jesus knew the outcome. And so he wasn't willing to panic because he knew the outcome. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. 
But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night they stumble, for they have no light. Be careful when you're walking. You want to change your heart, you have to change what's coming in. Be careful. Even Jesus is warning us, hey, be careful. Set up some boundaries in your life. Kitchen talk is huge. Be careful where you let yourself go. Because it can be a heart change. It can be a family change when you are messed up. Let's skip down here. Uh, verse number 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. You think Jesus was surprised? No. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. She didn't get it yet. She didn't understand. She went right out, and she was like, Jesus, where were you? And I know, Jesus probably walked in with his shoulders back, his chest out. I got this. It's okay. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been uh, with Mary in the, in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, that's sister love right there. They know. They know. And they're blaming. They're like, Jesus, where were you? When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse number 35, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. This tells me something. The relationship that he had with Lazarus was special. It was really special. It was so special, they were willing to take an entire verse for Jesus wept. Lazarus had a relationship with God. There was... Phenomenal. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? <laughs> I want someone to say that about me and Jesus someday. But some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man, sorry, have kept this man from dying? 
Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Sometimes you got to say some words that you already believe so that other people around you can hear it. Sometimes in your kitchen talk, when you're just spewing words, sometimes you got to say some things that are on purpose for your family to come aside of you and to say, you know what? I believe what you're saying. This is a home that believes in Jesus. And even if I have to talk about it every day to inspire some new family members, maybe you're going through something. Maybe you need to be inspired. Change your kitchen talk. Change your communication. Change your heart so that your tongue starts to talk about things that are righteous, that are under God's house, under his roof. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And this is kind of creepy. The dead man, he came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Maybe you're here today and you've come in with an excuse. Oh, my family's too far gone. Oh, man, my finances are what make me stressed. Oh, my job. Oh, this. Oh, that. My situation, say, you don't even understand it. You want to know why I talk the way I talk? It's because of my situation. Can I tell you God's bigger than your situation? Can I tell you God's bigger than your job? He's bigger than your family that's lost. My God is bigger than anything. And if you'll give them it, your heart can be changed. And when your heart is changed, your tongue changes. Your language changes. Your atmosphere changes. Your tone changes. Who you are changes. And this is what Jesus is saying today. Take off the grave clothes and walk. Be done holding on to the past. You see, Lazarus had a choice. He could have kept the grave clothes on and walked around and said, Oh, woe is me. I was in a grave for four days because Jesus didn't come. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I was all by myself. I stunk like a horse, and I looked like a monkey. It was nuts. I hated it. And he could have done that. But Jesus said, Hey, take those off. And Lazarus listened because he was tuned in to what Jesus was saying. And so, therefore, when he took his grave clothes off, he was a new man. And maybe some of you today need to strip away the layers at your heart because you're so hardened, you can't take anything. Anybody says anything that's going to help you, you're like, nah, not going to work. I'm too far gone. You're not too far gone. You're God's child today, and he wants to make you new today. He wants to change the way you've been talking. He wants to change your language. He wants to change your home. And if you want to let him today, he said, I'm willing. I am willing. I want to strip those grave clothes off you. Anybody know my son, Roman? Do you know the stank face he gives? Do you get it? You, you, you know, you, you go up, you say, hi, and he's like. Aren't a lot of us like that? Hi, Susan. 
are you today? Not good. It's actually been a, a pretty bad day. And we wake up in the morning and this is the face we turn on. We put on the Roman stank face. Why? Because we can. It's my life and I'm going to live it how I want. I've had a bad upbringing, Zay, and you don't get it. You get to be up on stage and preach. You get to tell me how I'm supposed to live my life. No, I don't. I get to preach what God's laid on my heart. It's your choice if you're going to apply it. And God says today, this is what some of you are waking up every day and putting on because you can. I have a choice, and I'm going to choose to be miserable today. Wah, wah, wah. How you doing today? Not good. For what? What are you trying to prove? I tell that to Roman all the time. I'm like, dude, what are you trying to prove? Are you kidding me? I will pop you. I know some people, they will cut you. Wouldn't it be cool if we took this, our stank face of life, and we turned it into our get back at the devil? Every time he tried to penetrate our heart and give us a bad thought, we said, devil, you better back up, son. You might have used this face as a, a, a representation of who I was as a person. Now I'm using this face to get back at you. You have no say in my life. You have no say in my heart. My heart is being stripped today. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you're trying to say. Today I'm stank facing you because you have no control over who I am as a person. Jesus has control. And so today, devil, I'm stank facing you. Done. You're done. You're done. Consider yourself, devil, stank-faced. Come on. It's about time we tell the devil his place, and it's not here. It's not inside my heart. It's not inside your heart. I don't care what you've done today. Strip it away because it's time we get a new heart. It's time we get a new passion for Jesus and let our tongues represent it. I got one last story, and I'm going to end here in, in four minutes, and that's totally a lie, but we're going to try. Growing up, my family, we, we started this thing for birthdays, okay, for birthdays. My, my parents are crazy, okay, they're, they're, they're weird, they're awesome, okay. They're like, here's what we're going to do. Every birthday, whosever birthday it is, we're going to get the rest of the family, and as you're sleeping at midnight when it's really your birthday, we're going to come into your room, wake you up with pots and pans. Who thinks this is a good idea? My mom is nuts. So, so she says, she says, this is a great idea. This is our new uh, tradition, okay? And we're like, you know, we're young. We're kids. We're like, this is great. This is awesome. So every year, literally, this is what we would get. We'd, we'd all get woken up. Who's ever birthday? Let's just say it was Elijah's birthday. She would come into my room. She would tap me on the shoulder. Hey, we're going into Elijah's room. It's his birthday. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So she would get us out of bed. She'd go into Allie's room. Allie, get up. It's his birthday. We'd all come in, you know, crusty-eyed, just feeling like awful. But she would hand us all pots and pans. And we would have pots and pans and a little whacker that we could whack them with. Okay? And we would sneak into the room real quietly. We'd all get around the room and get around the bed. And as we'd stand there, my mom would give the cue. She'd go, one, two. 
Elijah would pee his pants. And then you know what we would do? We would go back to bed. It was the greatest tradition ever created. I will go to my grave every year. Now that my kids will understand it, London will get it this year. She won't have a heart attack. This is a tradition I will carry on. And you know what? This is kind of crazy. Maybe, maybe this is too far out there for some of you. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just going out on a limb. You know what we did? We got used to the pots and pans, and we'd be ready for them. My birthday would be coming. I'm, I know it. I know it. I know they're coming. So I would crawl in my bed, and I would, I would say, ooh, say, don't fall asleep. I know it. And I would lay there, 11.45, 11.47. I know they're coming. 11.55, and i just keep my eyes shut, acting like I'm sleeping. And then I'd hear my mom walk into each room to walk the kids up wake the kids up. Elijah, it's your brother's birthday. Allie, it's your brother's birthday. Come on, we gotta go in. And I'd hear him creeping through the house. I'd hear my door. I'd hear them all gather around my bed. Like, oh, I'm ready. And then, right? Uh, it still, it still would get me. I just, oh my, I was awake. But I, and then right after they got done doing their little chant, you know, whatever, kicking me and all that stuff, he's like, I was already awake. <laughs> I was awake. I knew you were coming. I heard you, Mom. I heard you going to Allie's room. I heard you going to Elijah's room. Dad, I heard you because you came out 10 minutes late. I heard it. Wouldn't it be cool? If the surprise of the devil getting a hold of our heart and we lose control of our tongue and then we have to go ask for forgiveness and so I'm sorry, it was a surprise. I was so taken aback. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know I had control. It was like, whoa, I was just woken up out of it and I was like blown away that I was even saying the words that I was saying. Wouldn't it be cool if we went to bed ready for the surprise? Wouldn't it be cool if maybe, just maybe, we woke up in the middle of the night, and this might creep some of you out, but it's happened, and so I'm just going to own it. If you woke up and there's a demon standing in your room, and you're looking at him face to face, and instead of being scared, you use your tongue that's connected to your heart, and you say, I refuse, I refuse to let you in this room. You better be gone in Jesus' name, because you ain't got no room here. And you start to use your tongue as a weapon, because you're prepared and you're ready. Come on, stand to your feet. It's about time we start to clang our pots and pans at the devil. It's about time we start to get our stank face on and say, devil, I dare you to come at me. I got control of my heart and what's going in it. I got control of my tongue now that I've cleansed my heart, and I'm ready to talk like Jesus talks. I'm ready to have some kitchen talk because I'm ready to inspire some people. I'm ready to honor some people because guess what? You are in charge. You're in charge of what comes out. I want everybody to raise your hands, lift them up to Jesus. And I want you to just start to declare, Jesus, you are Lord. God, take control of my tongue. Jesus, take control of my heart. 
today, Jesus, it's not a tongue problem, Lord. It's a heart problem, God. And I pray that you would strip away the layers on our hearts that's made them hard, God. I pray that you would help us to watch our tone, Jesus, that you would help us to watch who we are as people, Jesus, as we are leading our homes today, Jesus. I pray that you would help us, Lord God. We're just, we're just weak, God, and we need you. But, Lord, we're ready. God, we're going to bed ready. Lord God, for those, those wake-up calls, Jesus, that we're not going to be freaking out, Lord God, but we're going to be ready for what you have for us. God, we're ready to stink face the devil a couple times. Devil, you have no place here. You have no place in this heart. But we're stripping away the layers so that our tongues can represent the most high. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for what you're doing. Come on, just declare that, church. Thank you for what you're doing, Jesus. God, thank you for what you're already doing in our homes, in our families, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you are in charge. You are in charge, Jesus. You are in charge, Lord. We love you and we thank you, Lord. I pray that you would do it. Maybe you're in this room real quick, just by a show of hands, you can tell God, today, Lord, I want to change my heart so that I can change my tongue. If that's you, why don't you go ahead and lift your hand to Jesus and say, Jesus, start to do it, Lord. Change my heart, Lord, so that I can change this tongue. Come on, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually something to be proud of because your heart change is going to change your tongue language. And your tongue language represents who you are as a person. And I don't know about you, but I want to be represented as someone that serves the most high God. I don't want to be represented as someone that's, oh, he's off to the side. I want to be represented as someone that knows what they're talking about. And Jesus, take control. Jesus, take control of my tongue. Oh, God, we love you and we thank you, Jesus. Let us have some heart change today, Jesus, so that we can have tongue change. Guard our ears. Guard our eyes. Guard our hearts today, Jesus. We love you and we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the change that you've started in here today, Lord. I pray that it wouldn't just be in this room, Lord, but that it would go home. God, with these families, Lord, that you would bless and anoint their homes today, Jesus. The next time they're in their kitchen talking, Lord, I pray that you would anoint their talk, that you would anoint their conversation. God, don't let their chit-chat turn into spit-chat, but let us look like you. We love you, Jesus. And today we take the grave clothes off. Come on, it's time to cheer. We're going to take the grave clothes off. Come on. Let's worship Jesus in this house today. We're taking the grave clothes off. It's time to praise Jesus like we've never praised him. Come on, Jesus. Deliver us from the grave and strip those grave clothes off. Oh, we love you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. We declare it in your name. Pray that you would go with us today, Jesus. Go with us, Lord. We love you in your name. And everybody said, amen. Listen, have a phenomenal week.